favor on the teaching. And then I want to share it with you, the body of Christ. So Abba, Father, thank you for each person that's here. It means so much. Thank you for Nathan and you and Doug and the rest. God, right now we know that we're two or three gathered. You're here. So what a joy to know that we are already in your presence and ask for your grace and wisdom on the truth of your word, the word that brings life. We love you in Jesus name. Amen. Right. So as you know, we're walking through a New Testament theology, what the scriptures really say about the church and what are the obligations, the burdens of the church, what we believe about the church, what does it mean to be a part of the body of Christ? And we're avoiding a lot of the modern day stuff, Jay, the seeker stuff, you know, where we're going to where we're going to try to kind of do the carnival thing where we draw things in folk in for the show. We're not doing that at Christ Church. Uh, my prayer and I pray this whenever I'm coming across the bridge to get here, Lord, I want you here. I want you to be the center of attention and I want you to be uh, the one that uh literally changes lives. And so that's, that's my heart prayer. So when we do New Testament theology of the church, we're doing scripture without compromise, without apologizing for truth, all right? So today's gonna to be a challenge. And what I did, um, I asked our leadership team, I, I said, would you guys help me uh, focus on particular disciplines. What do you think is really essential to follow Jesus? And, and they responded. And so what you're about to see is a part of that, all right? Now, it, when you say it, it's going to be overwhelming. Can I just tell you that? It's going to be overwhelming, and I don't want anybody to go, wow, well, the price of following Jesus is so high, I'm not sure that I can be good at it. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome to the challenge of following Jesus. So if we're going to look at spiritual disciplines, here's what we've got to focus on. All right. Number one, we've got to focus on the discipline of caring for the unprotected. All right. That's a discipline. In other words, when I say discipline, I'm saying this is what we're supposed to do. Um, You remember years ago, I was a licensed fitness trainer and if I had somebody with me, I would say, this is how I want you to work the pec or the deltoid or, or whatever, whatever we were targeting. This is how it's done. If you apply these principles of discipline to this muscle group, this is the good stuff that will happen. And it's going to keep you from injury. Does that make sense? Discipline. Doing it the right way for the right reasons. So biblically, we are called to the discipline of caring for the unprotected. As you know, as you know with me. There's nothing more innocent, more pure, and more unprotected than a baby in mother's womb, right? And, and there's a, the irony of that is tremendous because there's nothing designed by God more u- with more unique systems to nurture life than the mother's womb. And so for the mother's womb to be a dangerous place is a profound contradiction of terms, right? So if we're followers of Jesus, and we're going to follow the spiritual disciplines, we join the fight in protecting the unprotected. Now, that also means orphans. It also means widows. It also means the marginalized. It means people who are experiencing injustice, right? This is the first one. Number two, confession and repentance. That's a tough one. 
Anybody here want to confess your sins? Raise your hand if you want to go first. Uh-huh, just what I thought. It's a little hard, right, when it comes to confessing sin. And if you follow the Greek language a little bit, you know, the word confession is unique in what it means. So what I'm trying to tell you is the scriptures teach us to confess your sins to one another, that you may be healed. And sometimes we struggle with confessing sin. Isn't this an interesting, almost ironic dynamic, right? Uh, If you do an AA group or if you do uh, Narcotics Anonymous or you do... Uh, Tandy, you're, you're nodding your head. You know, you know where I'm going. You know, how do they begin? Hey, my name's Chris, and I'm an alcoholic. And they feel good about that. Why? Why is that a wise thing to do to say, hey, I'm Chris, and I'm an alcoholic? Why is that wise? What do you think? Give me some feedback. Well, I don't know if it's wise, because maybe you were an alcoholic, but the Lord can change it. Okay, that is true, but with addicts, even those addicts who are born again, is the potential for addictive behavior still there? Because we have physical bodies, and even though God can totally transform the soul and the spirit, if you're an addict, that's why an alcoholic is wise, because as soon as you say, I don't have any temptations with alcohol, what happens? Major crash and burn, and we have to have accountability. So, But we Christians are so... Spiritually respectable, right? But we're above all that nasty. We're above all the nasty of sin. And so we tend to not say, hey, can I, can I lean on you? I need your shoulder. I am really struggling right now. I am so angry. Or I, I have a horrible tendency to bend the truth. It's so hard for me just to say the truth. I, I, I feel like lying makes me feel safer than truth telling. I struggle with lying. I'm a truth bending person. You get the idea, go on and on. So the spiritual discipline of confession, repentance, the gift, this discipline of evangelism. We are to be the light of the world, right? We're supposed to be the candle. How about the spiritual discipline of faith? It is so cool to see you. So when have you ever gotten a fist bump live in church? How cool is that? So this is Preston and, and one of the greatest blessings they've ever known in his life sitting right next to him. Preston is just a dear friend and his heart is amazing. So it really means a lot that you're here. Thank you. So faith, um, if you want to get the, the Greek root, uh, pistis, uh, trust, trust, really not hard. Um, it's a discipline. It's a discipline. And so I struggle with faith. How about this? Hi, I'm Chris, and I struggle with faith. Hey, Chris, you know, let me get it out there. I struggle with faith sometimes. Now, here's what I want you to understand. If you're going to get a New Testament theology of faith, you've got to realize this. It's typically not talking about long-range faith. It's talking about really short-range faith. Like, like right now, I need to trust God. Right now, in this situation, right now, I've got to trust God. For a lot of us, we love that long-range faith. And so we want the 401k to be just right. We want the retirement plan all tweaked out. We got the mortgage worked out. Everything's worked out for the big long-range picture. And now I can say, ah, I trust God with my life. The early followers of Jesus had no concept 
of that kind of a faith trust dynamic. What they knew is right here, right now in this moment, a Roman soldier just slapped me in the face and said, hey, pick up my backpack right now. You know what the law says. Now we need faith. That's what an early follower of Jesus would understand. The faith to believe that I will have enough food for now. Not my retirement plan 20, 30 years out. Make sense? Okay, that's a discipline. How about number five? The discipline of fasting. That's a tough one. <laughs> that's real tough, right? Um, by the way, I, uh, I put a, a slide up at the beginning that, that I said, if God doesn't have your attention, he will disturb what does. Okay? God knows how to do that. And by the way, when you fast, it will get your attention. It'll, it'll waken you up, you know? Um, does anybody show... If I say the word addiction, that sounds awfully strong. Is anybody showing addictive patterns on these things right here? Ow. Okay, addiction's a strong word. Anybody showing dependency patterns on this thing? Okay. Um, sometimes it's really, really wise to fast. And that could be Facebook. It could be Instagram. It could be Snapchat, uh, TikTok. Uh, go on and on and on. God knows what has your attention. And God knows how to disturb what has your attention. Okay? And do you know why? Because he wants intimacy with you. If, 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 I, if I can, can I just get it out there? God's the first missionary. When Adam and Eve, during the fall, the mess, it was God who was seeking them out. So fasting, and that includes, of course, the discipline of fellowship. The scriptures are clear. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some people. By the way, the whole confession of sin and the whole repentance, it's all here. It's here. It's now that we do these course corrections. We get back on track, back on track. It takes place in church. And if we don't have the, someone to be the truth teller, and we are all truth tellers because of God's word, we, sh- we should be. We don't have course corrections, and so you drift. And as you know, you can be off a little bit right now, but if you keep it up, over time, you are far, far from God, and that's a tough place to be. The discipline of forgiveness, that is hard. We typically, the human brain, the human soul, we are high justice, typically default to high law people, and we struggle. Boy, we struggle with that. High justice, you know, when, when the state trooper, those, those blue lights kick on that give you immediate nausea, you know, the nausea trigger when you see the blue lights, and you pull over, and one of the things you want to say to the officer says, did you not see the guy that was speeding ahead of me a while ago? Did you not see him? Why are you picking on me? All of a sudden, we're experiencing injustice, you know. <laughs> Forgiveness is a big deal. Yeah, and we'll talk about that later. Generosity, you know, Generosity with possessions. Jesus talks about lending and borrowing. The discipline of gracious suffering. That's hard. That's hard. By the way, Christ Church, um, you're just wonderful people. You're gracious people. 
And so many of us are wired to be kind and to be servants. Here's the rub. We all love to be servants and to retreat it like one. And now we've got a problem. We love being, can I help you with that? Sure, let me get the door for you. Oh, how can I help? We love being servants until somebody treats us like one and all of a sudden it's hard because we feel dishonored, we feel disrespected. To graciously suffer is, wow, it is a Jesus thing. Yeah. You're aware, you're aware of the story of the death of Christ. You're very, you're well taught. You know what Rome was very skilled at doing? They had soldiers that specialized in the arts of a slow and torturous death. And you know what happened? And while he is experiencing the most absurd suffering possible, what does he say to the people that abused him? Father, wow, the discipline of love and mercy. Boy, that's another one. Isn't it easy to love someone that loves you? Isn't that a beautiful thing in a relationship? I love you. No, I love you. In fact, I love you more to the moon and back. No. And it's just, oh, it's so good to love those who love you. And that reciprocal sense of love is a beautiful thing. But Jesus says, I don't tell you to love your friends. I tell you to love. Boy, that's hard. The discipline of prayer. Yeah, the discipline of purity. Um, I'm just a quick comment about that. Um, This relates actually to prayer. Purity and prayer are actually related to each other. Let me explain. Um, A lot of us struggle with the fact that God doesn't answer our prayers. Okay? If we could pull back the religious layers and the veneers... The fact is we struggle because God doesn't answer our prayers. And there's a variety of reasons why that happens. But one of them is attending to our own sin habits is far more important than the pursuit of the will of God. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you know these people? They honor me with their lips. They say the right things in church. But what's going on with their heart? Far from me. Yeah. Okay, just a few more. The discipline of scripture, memorization, and meditation. Psalm 119.9. How can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to your law. Verse 11. Your word, Torah, law. I have hidden my heart that I may not sin against you. Psalm 119, 105, your word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. Yeah. The, distant, the, the discipline of silence. Um, if I may speak forthrightly, I'm not sure who said it. It may have been Mark Twain. Never miss a good opportunity to keep your mouth shut. Just don't miss that opportunity. Sometimes it's best to just say nothing. Be quiet. Proverbs says, how do you answer a fool in his folly? 
the, the answer is given, you answer a fool according to his folly deserves. Silence. Because if you try to rationalize with a fool, you end up getting on his level, and now you're a babbling fool for trying to figure this dude out. Just let it go. Be quiet. Jesus said in Matthew 5.37, your answer should be yes, yes, or no, no. Anything beyond that, it turns into evil in some way. Learn to be quiet. Psalm 46, be still. And know that I'm God. Stop the striving and the struggling and the arm wrestling. Stop. Be quiet. Be still. <laughs> Exodus 14, 14. The Lord says, hey, stand back. I'm going to fight for you. Be quiet. Watch what I'm going to do. Sometimes we've got to learn to be quiet. And here's the tough one. We've got to okay, be okay with being alone. Being alone. Sometimes it's good to just be alone and draw near to God and pursue intimacy. Okay. Uh, Spirit-led living, to know the Holy Spirit that's in you. He's like the neglected member of the Trinity, right? Being spirit-filled, being spirit-led is a beautiful thing and will change your life. So there's 16 disciplines that we'll focus on over the next few Sundays. But today, I wanna, I'm going to jump ahead and focus on Matthew Six and Jesus teaching on prayer. So everybody turn to Matthew chapter six, okay? Matthew chapter six. Um, we're going to start at verse five. Matthew six. This is going to be about the discipline of prayer. All right? Prosuke in Greek prayer. Now, and when you pray, automatically he assumes you're going to do it. When you pray, you are not to be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and on the street corners so that they may be seen by people. Truly, I say to you, they have their reward in full. But as for you, when you pray, go into your inner room, close your door, and pray to your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. Let's stop there for just a second. I want you to link up um, that idea that the Father sees in secret and hypocrisy. Okay? When you look at, when you read the prophet Isaiah and other prophets, they address this idea that there were Israelis, there were Israeli people, even priests and even um, uh, key political leaders in Israel, they believed, they got so hard-hearted toward God, they believed that God didn't see what was going on. <coughs> And they could do things in secret or even do things publicly. And somehow God wouldn't notice. All right. Can you please link up the idea that God knows we're hypocrites or when we are hypocrites. Right. And so if you pray the big prayers, you know, the big public prayers. And for some reason you think King James, King James language somehow gets God's attention or something. And you do the big, big prayer thing out loud in your fancy outfits and your fancy churches and all that fancy. Just remember that God sees in secret. And the guy who prayed on the street corner in fancy clothes with fancy words is the guy that is doing things in secret that is disgusting in the eyes of God. Okay? And that guy may be struggling with, how come God doesn't hear my prayers? I prayed big fancy prayers, you know. 
But as for you, you go to a secret place and you pray. Verse 7, and when you pray, when you are praying, do not use thoughtless repetition as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. If you recall, I told him this some, some time ago, you can actually access online Greek uh, manuscripts of Gentile uh, papyri. It's called the magic papyri. It's literally documents that record the magic formulas that the pagans believed that if you could say these things, it somehow is going to conjure up the local or the national gods to give you what you want. And I'm telling you, it is Puron psychobabble. It's literally just stringing together vowels in this blah, 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 just going on, babbling like, like a silly little toddler might babble or something. That is the thoughtless repetition that, that Jesus has in mind, all right? He knows the Gentiles are trying to conjure up local gods, and he says, that's not how we pray. That's not how it's done. Because, look at this, verse 8, don't be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. You don't have to prattle on in Babylon by, by saying this thing over and over and over and over and over again, like you're going to conjure something out of God or twist His arm. That actually is not the prayer of faith. That's the prayer of manipulation. That's not the prayer of faith. It's the prayer of manipulation. All right. Let me make it count. Um, Brandon and Chelsea love their baby like you can't. It's off the charts love, right? And if little Josie gestures, Mama, Daddy, I'm hungry. I've got, I've got a. A wee nappy, as they say in Great Britain. I've got a wee nappy. I need a diaper change. Do you think Chelsea's going to say, mm, you need to ask about a hundred more times? Maybe a thousand? And then I'll get off the couch and stop the TV and I'll change your diaper. No. Chelsea, how many times? <laughs> Zero because you're already on it. What a good, good mommy you are. Brandon, what a good daddy. That's the whole point. Your father already knows. Okay, so Jesus now says, all right, here's how I want you to do it. Pray then in this way. Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Dear Christ Church, you who know the new birth and are filled with God's Spirit, do you understand that that's how Jesus wants us to pray? That's not a divine recommendation. It's a divine directive. This is what he wants us to do. Now, certainly verbatim, if you want to do that, that's, that's incredible. 
but it's getting at the principle behind it. For example, if you read verse 9 in Greek, it reads this way. And it begins, the first word is father. It's not our. It, the first word is father. Father of us, the one in the heavens. Let be holy in the name of you. All right? Right out of the gate, it's about God and not about us. Okay? I, 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 nope, it's right out of the gate, it's Father. And with a beautiful word, and it's our, the pronoun is plural, so the Father of us, our dad, our dad, the one in heaven, let your name be treated as holy. And then how about this, the principle of the authority of God's kingdom. Okay? Remember the whole hypocrisy thing? And the purity thing, you know what? Let me just say this very forthrightly to you. Is the will of God the number one priority in your life? Don't answer. <laughs> Don't answer. Is the will of God the number one priority in your life? If it is, you are getting at the heart of this prayer. May your kingdom come. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. By the way, by implication... God's will is not always done on earth. It's not. If it was, he wouldn't have told us to ask that it happen. But one day, it will come. There'll be a new heaven and a new earth. Remember I taught you about the spiritual discipline of faith? Short range, not the long range. Give us this day our daily bread. By the way, that is, that's a hapax legomenon Greek used once. It's very, very difficult to, translation, to translate. And boy, have scholars wrestled with that. An old Latin translation tends to dominate. So we typically say this, you know, our daily bread. It's, it's just difficult. It's like he's saying, the bread of today, give us today. It's hard to translate. It gets at it. It's short range. It's right here, right now. He's saying, would you meet my needs now? Just for now. Don't, I'm, not, I'm not asking for help tomorrow. I'm asking for right now. Can you just, God, Father, would you care for me right now, please? Okay. And forgive us our debts. As we also have forgiven our debtors. You need to understand that verse 14 and 15 are directly linked to 12, okay? They're directly linked to 12. 12 says, forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Verse 14, for if you forgive other people for their offenses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. That's a tough one. That's real tough. We love 1 John 1, 9, right? Run to 1 John 1, 9. If you confess our sins, he's faithful, he's just. He'll forgive you, cleanse you of all unrighteousness. And yet Jesus himself is saying, there's a principle here, the discipline of forgiveness. Treat people the way you want to be treated. All right? If you want to enjoy the bountiful mercies of the gracious and loving heart of God Almighty, if you want to enjoy the bounty of his grace and mercy, you better treat people that way. And if you don't, 
The smell of a hypocrite is in the air and it is thick. That you would feast on the mercy and grace of God and then you would come down in the most legalistic and cruel and abusive ways to other people because you can't stand it when you're treated like a servant. You can't stand it. And when the enemy gets one on you, whoo. So in case you miss it, if you do not forgive other people, then your Father in Heaven will not forgive you your offenses. And I'm telling you, when we all stand before the great, the great white throne and we face the judgment of God, it would be a beautiful thing to know that we practice the spiritual discipline of love and mercy. Do you understand? All right. Mm. All right, got a question, Denise. I have a question. Yes. So, when we stand before the throne and we our judgment, right. does, does that start from the time we become followers and believers? Or does that come with the stuff that we did before? <laughs> Pre-Christ sins, in Christ sins, sure, sure. Ouch. <laughs> we don't like spankings, do we? we oh, that whole accountability thing, I know. Janice, one of the worst things I can do right now is to soft sell this, deconstruct it, scale it back, and say, look, he didn't really mean that. He's so nice. Oh, he's like the grandpa who's a pushover. You know, our Heavenly Father's a softy. Can't do it, Janice. The day of accountability, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 says, if we go on sinning willfully, it's verse 26 and following, if we go on sinning willfully, there remains no more remission of sins because you are trampling underfoot the Son of God. And we can't put him back on the cross. That's Hebrews 6. Can't do it. God will not allow his son to be, dis- to, to be shamed twice like that. And he says, it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. I can't soft sell this. What I'm trying to say to you, my brothers and my sisters in Christ, that we who follow Jesus need to practice the discipline of prayer. To do that, we have to address the issue of Why would we expect the abundant and merciful forgiveness of God when we hypocritically are torturous and cruel and legalistic and love shaming people that offend us? That is a horrific inconsistency. And so if you commit to prayer and if you commit to an ethic of love and mercy, it is a beautiful thing that fits Janice, there will be accountability. There will be the judgment of our actions. Every idle word will be judged, Janice. And it's all going to be tested according to Paul's writings in 1 Corinthians 3, tested by fire, right? So what the stuff that's wood, hay, and stubble, the cheap worldly stuff is going to go up, right? But that which is gold and precious remains. The testing of our faith will be real, Right? Okay.
the discipline of prayer. It's, a be- it's serious stuff, Christchurch. Like, I'm not going to s- scale this back and make it like God's your Amazon in heaven. I'm going to put it in order. Okay, submit to my cart. It's coming. I name it. I claim it. I believe it. I receive it. Boom. I press the button. God's going to bless me. Uh-uh, that's not how it works. <laughs> All right. You're the gifted body of Christ. You're born again. If you are born again, his spirit is in you. You know his word. The Holy Spirit will give you what to say in the very minute and hour you need. You're the church. The discipline of prayer. His teaching about non-hypocritical practices in comparison to hypocritical practices those of the high religious leaders, those of the Gentiles and their crazy religious psychobabble, and then what Jesus wants his followers, how he wants them to practice prayer. So you're my family. I want you to own this thing. How do we live it out? How do we walk out the teaching of God's word? Because I don't want to add text to verses. <laughs> right, right. But when I think about give us this day our daily bread, and the idea of not worrying about tomorrow, looking at the moment that we're in, taking advantage of that, um, having the opportunity at a moment's notice to be a friend to someone. I think about the rest of that prayer, particularly verse 1, 12, and 13. And I I try to confine that to each day. Not that he doesn't want us to forgive tomorrow the next day. But sometimes we think about, well, from my own personal experience, the act of forgiving someone and the ramifications that come from that. Of, I forgive you, X. And then, okay, what's the next day going to look like in the next week when that person will hurt me again? Could hurt me again. Yeah. And it causes me to hesitate to forgive because like, but they're going to hurt me again. Well, in this moment, the grace that lives in that forgiveness allow us to create a discipline through prayer and being able yeah. to say daily bread daily forgiveness yes asking forgiveness daily not living in a moment where like oh i'm just i'm so downtrodden i always need forgiveness like all these sins that are happening every day and i need to be i need to have a, i need to have a long list i need to have at least a page's worth of sin today because i'm a terrible person i don't think it's that extreme. no it's not that i think shit. it's a matter of in our conversations with jesus to say look there are going to be things today that I know I will make bad decisions. There are going to be things that I make good decisions on. And for me, I'm asking Jesus, allow me to responsibly and confidently move through those, knowing that you are the author and perfecter of my faith. Mm-hmm. And I can then not go to the extreme of saying, well, look at me, I did this amazing thing for Jesus. Or the other extreme is, man, I'm so terrible. I can't do anything. Yeah, wallow in your sin. And having that balanced prayer life, being able to yeah. daily connect, which in yeah. and of itself is a discipline. <coughs> That's why it's a discipline. Discipline is an amazing thing. Not at all. I find so much more fulfillment in a, in a balanced day of successes and failures because Jesus is at the epicenter of that, as opposed to living on those highs when they're great and yeah. wallowing in that self-pity when they're low. That's so good. Prayer daily, checking in daily and making that. That is so wise. Yeah. So, all right. You know, um, I don't know if I told you this, but years ago, I had a client that came to me when I was in Fort Smith. And he was talking about, he was kind of bragging because he had been arrested for his faith. Right? And, and for him, if you're really spiritual, you become a political <laughs> activist. And you, and, and you, like you go to abortion clinic and you'd violate the, the zones 
and you're begging for the police to come and take you in handcuffs, you can say, look at me, I've been persecuted, look at that, yeah, man, I'm rocking for God, you know, that kind of a deal. And of course, I worked with him for a while on that, and uh, he fired my rear end, by the way, he didn't like me. So, um, let's borrow that idea. What if you get slapped in the face by a centurion? Hey, get up, carry my backpack, you know what the law says, one mile, let's go. I gotta, I gotta march this way. And you'd say, dude, I got persecuted today. <laughs> yeah, I got slapped. And I said, you, you want that one too? Come on, come on, I can take it. I got Jesus, man, I'm cool. Okay, great, great. You actually got slapped for Jesus. Woohoo! What about the hundredth time later? <laughs> it's like, ooh. <laughs> You want me to carry that? Yeah, I do. Okay. Okay. All of a sudden, some attitude kicks in, right? Pat, you're on it. It's short range. It's right here, right now. Keep a short list. By the way, here's some real wisdom. It's, it's, like, it's like an access of severity and an access of duration. If you get slapped in the face, okay, how many weeks and months should go by before you finally forgive that Roman soldier? Did you hear what I just said? He just got slapped in the face. How many weeks and months and years should go by before you finally forgive the soldier? Okay. Right. And, and to the point, we Christians that are grudge grinding, grudge holding, hatchet throwing Christians, you're teasing the act of forgiveness out so long you become bitter. And that's a whole nother mess. So, okay. Um, Lisa. So first of all, this one text in Matthew 6 is specific about the individual praying before God because there's lots of other scriptures that talk about prayer and assemblies, 1 Corinthians 11, uh, praying for the nation, all those kind of things. So yeah, in this sense, this is an issue of private prayer versus public prayer to manipulate and conjure God up. Yeah, but you're right. No, we should pray. And we should pray publicly too when it's, when it's appropriate. Yeah. Um, Joe, I think, yes, yeah, Joe. You know, this is, I think it's the writer of Hebrews that talks about spiritual guilt versus spiritual guilt. Yeah, yeah, Hebrews 4 and 5. The concept of forgiveness is right in line with that idea. Yes. A great deal of people live and die and never get their minds around this. Am I forgiven? Am I not? How many times can I do something and then I cross the line and God won't forgive anymore? Uh, how much time do I need to spend in my prayers? Woe is me and over my sins and things like that. I come from a movement that the Lord's Supper is 100% about woe is us. We are so sorry we sinned and put you up there. And there's no joy and nothing like that because we're too busy wallowing in misery about what we did. Yes, yes. Jesus was settled on this man. You get to make the decision. If you're willing to forgive, God's willing to forgive. What did he tell Peter? How many times, Lord, should I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Peter's throwing that number seven out there because in... The Jewish world, seven's like, oh, that's a big number. That's a big number. That's a lot. <laughs> 77 times, or seven right. times seven. Basically, Jesus says, you don't stop. Yes. You always forgive. And if you're willing to do that, God will always forgive you. We get one line in the Lord's Prayer about uh, 
forgive us for our sins. He doesn't spend 25 minutes talking about how you should talk to God about your sins. Yes, yes. We assume that you're forgiving others and you're practicing mercy. You can then safely assume God will forgive you. Reiterated in chapter 7 when we talk about the scales he used against people. This is a straightforward topic. If you forgive others, you have mercy waiting. Yeah. End of story. Joe, you're on to something. So let's say, let's, let's try to pull back the veil and look at the work of Satan. Okay. Satan can't out-argue God, all right? But what if he can get a Christian knotted up here so that you get so entangled in your sin habits and so engrossed and fixated on sin that you actually create a kind of idol out of your own humanity, your own sinfulness? And, what, and what, what can Satan accomplish with that idea? Well, he wraps you up in this insidious guilt, which will keep you in a fake, basically, self-imposed posture of, oh, I'm terrible, but which produces behavior towards others that tries to sell that. So you treat everybody else <laughs> like garbage, because you feel like garbage about yourself. You don't want to feel like garbage, so it makes wow. somebody more garbage, wow. makes you feel better. Joe, you've spoken truth when explained. Jesus said two people went to the temple to pray. They're all in line. They're in line. And which, by the way, if you're a Jew, you stand and you pray. You don't sit and pray. So in the first one says, looks down the line and goes, you know, Lord, I fast, I pray, I do this, I do that. And I am so glad I am not like that moral failure right there. I'm so glad. And then the moral failure guy, the other guy says, he's so ashamed, he refuses to lift his eyes to heaven. He's downcast. He's hitting himself. God have mercy on me, a sinner. Who leaves the temple justified? The one who is repentant. Yeah. That's so good. Someone else. Why do we, how do we live this out? Somebody else. David. For instance, the other thing that's it's hard for us to understand a little bit more, but he forgave us of our sins because we come to him for repentance. Yes. We have in the heart of Christ. We want to see that person that persecuted us or is doing injustice also come to Christ. We also want to see that person with us, with Christ in heaven. That's how the heart we're supposed to have. Yes. And that's a really difficult one because he even said how <clears throat> people that were working, how, when they get paid, when, come, when, when did they get paid? In the morning or when they just got in, they got paid the same amount. It didn't matter, yeah. Mercy. It didn't matter. Yeah. David, that's very good. Second Peter 3, 9 says that God doesn't want anyone to perish. He wants all to come to repentance. And because of that, uh, how we treat other people, especially our enemies, can potentially be the closed door or the open door for them to consider the gospel of Jesus. Bruce? What, what comes to mind is, I'm trying to balance what's being said. Yes. There's the, the scripture, uh, in as much as is possible, within the peace with all men. Amen, yes. Which tells me, Sometimes it's not possible. <clears throat> exactly. It requires distance, silence. Yes, yes. That's, that's wise, Bruce. Yes, so. yes. Yeah. In fact, Bruce, there's probably about eight to nine texts in the scriptures about shunning. Yeah. That there is separation for, for a disobedient Christian. Yeah. This is hard, isn't it? It's tough. This isn't easy. So, what's that? Yes. Yes, yeah, absolutely. But when there is repentance, then we would restore. So was there somebody else over here, Sabrina?
Yes, yes, yes. Yes, that is so good. So, all right. Now that we've covered all this, I'm, I'm, going, to, I'm going to do this one thing. And, and then I want to share with you the beauty of the gospel. So this is, I just don't want you to miss this, okay? Our Father, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. When you know the new birth, you receive God's mercy and you're able to share it abundantly. Paul wrote, that if we confess with our mouth Jesus as Lord and believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we receive the promise that we're going to be saved. For with the heart, a person believes and it results in righteousness. And with the mouth, he confesses, resulting in salvation. If there's anybody here and you have never done that, You've never realized that, that there is nothing in your flesh, in yourself, that would motivate God to default you into heaven. And there isn't. The only way that we have access to God is through the Son. And that is by leaving, believing that his death is the full payment for your sins. He who knew no sin became sin for you, for me. That we who are guilty might become the righteousness of God in Jesus by faith. We are saved by grace through faith, not of works so that we cannot brag about this. I'm going to pray. I ask you to bow your heads and join me in prayer. If you need to accept Christ as your Savior and pray that prayer of faith, do it, please. If, if you're the other person, you're a believer, but you have been eaten up with bitterness, and there are people you need to forgive. Boy, what a beautiful time to do that right now. Keep a short list. And if God's Spirit has spoken to your heart that you need to take serious the discipline of prayer. Let's do it. Abba, Father, thank you for your love and grace. Lord, we open our hearts to you. We have faith believing in what you've done for us on the cross. Lord, because grace is real to us, we get to extend it to others. And you want us to talk to you. You want spiritual intimacy with us. Lord, teach us to find our secret place and to meet you there. Please. In Jesus' name, amen.